you know, there is, am I, there is, it's never too early to know Jesus. I didn't get to know Jesus until I was in university, and I missed out on children ministry and all those cool moves when you sing a song. And so all you guys are doing all that, and I'm going, huh? Missed out. So, pray. Never too late, but the kids are off, and uh, it's so, uh, such a blessing. Uh, let me pause for a moment. I believe that this morning we ought to pray, and we ought to pray for our city and for our region. It's been a tough week here in our city, and um, I believe it's good for us to lift our time and our hearts and our region to our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we lift up Constable Rick O'Brien and his family to you. We don't know of a relationship he may or may not have had with you. But Father, we thank you for placing people in our city, in our community to protect us. We often take them for granted. But Father, we know that your love for us is unwavering and you send people like Constable O'Brien and others to help serve and protect. Father, we pray for his family. We pray for his wife and his kids that we know that he has. And we pray that as they uh, mourn, we pray as they endure these days that the people in Maple Ridge and the churches and Christians in Maple Ridge would, uh, you call all of us to to comfort, and to provide. And for our immediate community here in Coquitlam, um, those things we think don't really happen until it hits home. We're reminded, Father, because of the, their, their love for us that uh, we get to worship in a place like this, sing in a place like this, do cool moves to, to praise you in a place like this. And that, that just doesn't happen in 90% of the world. The freedom to do so is just not there. And God, we thank you, and we've, we ask for your forgiveness in ways that we've forgotten those things, and we ask for your uh, guidance as you use us to bring light after a week like we had. Father, thank you. May these words ahead be yours and yours alone, and may only your words be heard regardless of whatever comes out of my mouth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My wife, Rachel, and I continue to thank you for just adopting us. My name is Conrad. Uh, we've been coming to Eagle Ridge for over three years now. And uh, I lived in Coquitlam most of my life. Uh, only the first seven years I was not here. I was born in Hong Kong. But Coquitlam is home. And I never... Um, uh, I never take for granted the opportunity to share God's word at home. Jesus even told his disciples the prophets and their words are rarely welcome in their hometown. And I know that feeling. And so I, I, I don't take this for granted. And I thank Pastor Dave for inviting me to share with you uh, today. Uh, I want to bring greetings from our little church called The Commonplace. We meet Sundays and Monday nights. And uh, we have a new church planting family that's uh, joined us. And, and we're just reaching people who don't know Jesus and really breaking down barriers. And so when things like that happen this week, uh, it, it just touched a nerve for me. And, and, and I know that some 
people are literally not being here on earth the next day with no warning. And that makes our call to love them and to share Jesus with them that much more urgent than it should already be. Um, I, but I am from Coquitlam. Uh, and I don't profess to be an expert in, of Coquitlam, but I, I know Coquitlam uh, from experience. I can relate. You know, I, I don't know how many parents here have kids that go to, say, Walton. Uh, Walton Elementary or Panorama Heights Elementary. Been there before, uh, Pine Tree Way Secondary or Pine Tree Way Elementary and then uh, Maple Creek Middle School, anybody? Yeah, now called Hastings. I was there when it was Hastings. That's how old I was. Uh, and then Pine Tree Secondary. Come on, people, Timberwolves. Yeah, you got that. Uh, even when I was in Pine Tree, uh, it opened in 1997. Mr. Dick, I don't know if you remember, but there was some leaky condo situation at that point. So I even had to have classes in Douglas College. So I went to Douglas. Anybody Douglas? Anybody, yeah, Douglas College. And I, for university, I went to SFU. You can see that from here on the good day. I really didn't go far. This is home. <laughs> and uh, I didn't really venture far. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, now I'm get to... We married my wonderful wife, Rachel, and you guys have also helped us adopting us and as we adopt our son, Cage, and, and uh, we're just so thankful for your partnership as we reach our common neighborhood. But, you know, it, it's, it's interesting growing in Coquitlam. I've shared with you my story over the last uh, few times I've shared the God's word here at Eagle Ridge. Um, I did not know Jesus growing up. As I shared, I didn't really come to know him until university, but in high school, I met a group of friends who are Christians. And, and you know, there's many things I think of at that point, but I, I always think of this friend of mine. Um, I'll call her Patricia for now. Uh, she had this Larry the Cucumber plush toy. Veggie Tales. again, I miss that. I, I, you know, I need to watch my Veggie Tales. I don't know much except from Larry the Cucumber because this girl kept sharing Jesus with Larry the Cucumber. And I was like, what are you doing with this cucumber plush toy? But... The passion that she had for Jesus was incredible. And she just wanted to share everywhere. And then she met a smooth talking guy, you know. And they started dating. And, you know, the plush toy kind of went by the wayside. And, and one time, and, and Rachel may be surprised. I don't like camping. I go because I, I love my family. But one t other time I went camping, which made me realize I didn't like camping, was when we went in the rain and golden years and one summer with these friends. And ugh. and then so it was rainy and, and, and Patricia was there and her new boyfriend was there. And it got too crowded in this tent that we were all in. So, you know, they went and got into his car and slept there for OMG. Think of all these Christians that I was surrounded by. And then here's Patricia and, and her boyfriend sleeping in the car. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. It was like something out of Deuteronomy or something. Everybody was starting to finger point. Everybody was starting to, you know, I joined. I didn't know God at the time. I just pretended for crying out loud. And it was like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that, right? You shouldn't be doing that. Well, that didn't really help, and uh, that, they got married, and, and, and then they're still kind of going to church, uh, but then a health crisis hit her, uh, and um, it was like, well, all this condemnation, all this thing, 
Uh, even my family's condemning me. The last I understand, uh, she hasn't talked to her, her uh, siblings and her, and her widowed mom for almost 10 years. You know, that's unfortunately not an uncommon story. It's a true story and a not uncommon story in Coquitlam with people who were raised, quote-unquote, in a church. And we often think of these experiences um, and wonder just how people get there and just, like, where you went to church most of your life. What happened to Larry the Cucumber? What happened to, to that? And we often, forget, we often just try to criticize. We often condemn. We often say, you know, how dare them, right? Today, as we continue our uh, series on the exile on mission in, in the book of First Peter, the letter that Peter had commissioned to write, we get to a portion of the letter in chapter 1 where Peter calls us to holy living. And, some, and for, for us, as we dive into the scripture, um, I want you to keep Patricia's story in mind, okay? So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 13. Start in verse 13. And somehow along the way, when we read this, you might discover that we actually belong to God. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 13 and onwards. It says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to these desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are, con you are to conduct yourselves uh, in reverence during your time living as strangers. Peter continues, uh, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited uh, from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last days, last days or last times for you. Through him you believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God." It's easy to read all this. We'll just pause here for a second. It's easier to read all this and be like, see, you need to be holy, you know? Please be holy. How dare you, Patricia, walk away? How dare you do this and how dare you? It's easy for us to do that. And yet, let's ask ourselves a, a, just an honest question here, okay? God commands us to be holy because I am holy, so let's ask this honest question to yourselves. How does this call make you feel? You know, you may have heard people say, hey, God sent Jesus to die for you, so behave better. Or uh, you should therefore be obedient, you know, just like Peter had wrote on surface, hint, hint. 
You should be obedient. And, and so, so when you hear this call, I think, and from my experience in walking here in Coquitlam, uh, you end up with two possible groups of people. One is a group of people who feel bad because they have done unholy things and feel like being holy is out of reach and impossible. And I did not know that we're uh, introducing our youth leaders today. I was a youth pastor for a while, uh, and uh, I know what it's like to, to converse with young people. I haven't been done that for a bit, so I'm going to touch a little bit, but I really appreciate the passion you have. And just so happens, I asked Pastor Yosef during uh, this week to help me with our my, my message this morning for our God's time showing you this morning, because I wanted to hear from the young people, and they really participated. So Let's see what the young people say when you hear something like, be holy, uh, because I am holy. So the first question I asked them was, uh, what makes being holy challenging? What makes being holy challenging? Let's see what they said. Uh, They said something like, uh, uh, well, uh, sinning is bad, and it's hard not to. Uh, You can't be perfect. We can all agree with that. Uh, When everyone else around you is being unholy, it's like everybody else is, you know, doing this. Why can't I do that? You know, uh, when things aren't working out, you know, like when you get told that you do everything and, and, and then therefore be rewarded at the end, you don't get what you think you deserve at the end. When things aren't working out and you, and you say, and you hear Christians say, pray and things, good things will happen and well, good things don't happen. Uh, uh, because I want to go my own way instead of trusting God. Adults, we do that too, let's face it. Uh, being pure is hard and to be holy is even harder. Huh. It's hard when you tell people to be holy because I am God is holy. Uh, those things go through not young people's mind, all of our minds. If we're being honest, is that true? It is reality for all of us. And yet, sometimes we go through our Christian lives and we're expected to just perform and perform and perform and perform and do, uh, uh, you know, come a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way, speak a certain language and then go and have a merry way for the rest of the week, and we think that's it. A second group of people that may derive when we talk about, you know, a call to be holy is a group of people who um, gets to waggle their fingers. See, God said to be holy, so be holy, you know. Do you like this, being on that? Not really. Kids don't like it. Adults really don't like it. (laughs) And yet, you know, we do it. One of my earliest experiences with serving in the church uh, and and connecting uh, at the church uh, was that my the church I started at ten, either graciously or foolishly, one or the other, invited me to be part of pastoral search team, looking for a new pastor for a church, and and there was a candidate. Uh, that wanted to come and, and be the leader of the church and, and pastor the church. And so I was supposed to be, again, either graciously or foolishly, uh, be the young adults, uh, uh, youth and young adults representative on this, on this team. And so I asked a question. And I said, so tell me, what, um, tell, tell us what your thoughts are for young people uh, in, in our church. Uh, what, what goals and what vision you have. And he said an answer that didn't sit well with me, but sit well with everybody else. He said, uh, 
Well, I'll tell you what. First thing about young people is that if they are dating, they must tell me. It's like, and then I see the other old people in the, on, on the pastoral church, and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm going, oh, okay. But I'm young, I'm naive, and maybe I just don't know much, and I just went along with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not putting this guy down for to say that he was bad and, and everybody else is good. I'm saying I could be like this too. Uh, he became the pastor of the church and uh, he, his English is not his first language and, and, and he was sharing in English one time uh, with the young adult congregation. And, uh, in fact, I believe it was the same passage. And he stood up at, in front of the group and I th- I'm not even over-exaggerating here. For about 20 times, he said, don't do stupid things. Don't do, you get my point. And I'm sitting going, okay, so don't do stupid things. So what should we do? Don't. And I realized as I started to serve more and connect more and walk as a missionary to my own hometown more, That's what my friend Patricia heard all her life in church. That's what our young people heard all their lives coming into. If you wear something, let's let's face it, if somebody wears something you think it's inappropriate, all of a sudden, ooh. When I was a pastor, before I started hunting uh, the commonplace, uh, there was a guy who came in who, who smelled like he was doing weed on the weekend, and this was before it was legal, and... I, I'm telling you, if you want to see the seas being parted, that's what happened. All of a sudden, all the parents came out and was like, whoop, whoop. Pastor Conrad, uh, here's, here's this new guy. We'll call him John. Here's John. Uh, you, why don't you welcome him? I'm like, where's everybody else? Everybody else is like spread out. It's like, how are we supposed to love these people if we don't want anything to do with them? just because they may come in a little different. What do young adults think, really? The next question I asked them, why do you think God wants you to be holy? After all that, after all that communication, why do you think God wants you to be holy? Well, let's see what they said. IDK. I don't know. I'm copying and pasting from the answers that Pastor Yosef gave me, okay? So just wanted to show you their language. Because <laughs> then we can be happy. Mm, sounds good. Uh, so that we can all live in a nice and peaceful place, uh, uh, but also we can join him in heaven because he loves us. So being holy is our way to get to heaven, apparently. Uh, God wants us to be with him, and the only way to do that is as holy as you can. <sighs> sounds hard. Uh, to live with him. Yeah, that's, that's good. What else did people say? Uh, so that we can show his love and how people will hopefully see our lives and be like, I want to be like them or I want to learn about God uh, because he loves us and to share his kingdom because we want to, we're made in his image. Now we're getting towards the Sunday school answers uh, so that we can be in a better relationship and community with him. Be holy. Being holy is one of the ways of how I can get closer to him. Hmm. I like that one. You see, I, like I said, I lump myself to others who have told people don't do stupid things. Uh, it's tempting. It's tempting for us to blame the new things of the day 
You know, uh, we can say uh, social media has caused sexualization of the world. Uh, we can say uh, capitalism uh, causes greed. We can say liberalism causes our identity crisis uh, that we are often faced with today. And we can say, that, you know, all these things. But, you know, the scary thing is when we judge and condemn others, while, especially while we do the exact things we condemn others on, we're just waiting for a Netflix documentary to be done on us. Seen them, haven't you? And yet, when we think of all these new things and we all criticize, uh, there's a word in the English language called sodomy. And his namesake, as you, many of you know, was a, was a city in the Old Testament 4,000 years ago, more than, more than 4,000 years ago. And, and that city made Las Vegas look like a family attraction. There is nothing new, as the saying goes, under the sun. Peter, when we read this letter that he commissioned Sylvanus to write and send to all the churches and non-Jewish Christians in the Asian Minor, which today is modern-day Turkey. Um, he wasn't trying to condemn them. He was writing to groups of Christians who are living in exiles. They are amongst people who don't know. They are the minor, the, 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 the small group of people, like Christians today here in Coquitlam. They're living with people who don't know Jesus all around them, and they're some of the most faithful people. And Peter was not writing these words to condemn them. It's not like Paul writing to the Galatians and calling them foolish. It's, he's calling them to encourage them. And he's writing to them not to say to, hey, remember to be holy, but he's actually, there's actually some method to his madness because this call to living, call to holy living, it's actually an invitation to belong. Here's how Peter did it. He act, as we read the scripture again, he actually draws parallel to what Moses told the Israelites in the Old Testament. Take a look at this. In verse 13, he says, therefore your minds be ready for action. Moses told the Israelites in Exodus, you must be dressed for travel, so have your ways girded, uh, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Uh, be prepared for something difficult. Peter, lump, Peter is telling these Gentiles, that, hey, you're just like the Israelites in Exodus. You're just like them. Be prepared. You're going to be, here, here's another one. Later on in verse 15, here's the kicker. Uh, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Moses told the Israelites, for I am the Lord your God, so you must concentrate yourself and be holy because I am holy. Peter's telling the Gentiles, hey, you are just like the Israelites who are loved by God. And we have an advantage. We have an advantage that the Israelites don't. Later on in verse, 18, in verse 18 and 19, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. We have an advantage over the Israelites. They were the ancestors who were hoping for the Messiah. He's already come and won the victory. We're not waiting for the unblemished animal. 
He came, he died, he rose again, and we have his victory behind us, with us. Is telling the Gentiles, whether you're Jews, you're Gentiles, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a non-Christian, wherever you're from, whatever skin color, hair color you have, we are just as chosen, and we belong to God. The Old Testament calls the Jewish people, the Israelites, the chosen people. Now, let me briefly touch on this word chosen, because smarter people than I have been debating since the dawn of time about God's chosen people. Who exactly is chosen? I'm not going to try to end that debate because I'm not that smart. What I will say is I witnessed my dad after 85 years of not refusing to believe in God and on his deathbed finally have this peace and gave his life to Jesus. I would say that I can't imagine my God keeping his love from anybody. I'll just leave it at that. You and I are just as chosen. Even if you don't know Jesus today, even if you're trying to wonder uh, what it is about Jesus that is good for you, I want you to know that you are just as chosen to be loved by God. And we're also loved by God even when we fall. Whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, whoever you are. And if the Israelites in the Old Testament were any example, God loves us even when we fall, repeatedly. In the Old Testament, we hear, you see the Israelites, book after book after book, coming to Jesus because they fell, because they didn't trust him, repenting, promising great things, only to get content after a while and only to be like, oh, have you done for me lately? And then they fall again and they repeat the cycle again after they got woken up. Time and time and time again, they, or God, continued to love them and never took the promise away. Consequences, but never took the promise away. So what do we do about this holy living? What do we do about this call? Like, okay, so this is for everyone. How do we do this? Peter, answer the question in the next few verses. Verse 22 and onwards. Since you have purified yourselves by the obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. I'll stop here for a moment here. It's simply as we show love for one another. Regardless of who walks into this building, who, regardless of who you live with, regardless of where you are on a daily basis in work and school, wherever God takes you, we show love and find compassion because God has compassion for us. Peter continues to say, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers 
fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. He says, we remember that we were, if we rely on good behavior, we're like the grass and we're like the flowers. We have a drought and we're told not to water them. How do we get closer to Jesus when we can't water them? Well, we rely on the root. And the root is the gospel. Because God's word and his love last forever. The, our response to the call of holy living is we have been called to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our answer to an unholy world that is seemingly around us is not condemnation nor criticism. The answer is the gospel. The answer is the gospel. What it means for us to be a Christian is to fight. Not fight for our rights. Not fight so that we protect ourselves. We fight so that everybody in the world has the freedom to know Jesus. The freedom to choose what it is for their soul. The freedom of choice is how God wants us to choose him. Because if we share God by forcing good behavior and forcing things on one another, excuse the language, but we get a whole bunch of pretend Christians who end up going straight to hell. What does that look like? What does that look like? How do we play this out? There are many stories of Jesus in the the New Testament. One of my favorites is when an encounter where people were upset with him. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, people who like to point fingers, they were powerful. Let's not, kid, let's not kid ourselves. We don't get to point fingers if we're not powerful, if we don't think we're powerful. Uh, and people were trying to scheme a way to get Jesus. They didn't like, these Pharisees didn't like the fact that Jesus got to tell people that they were forgiven. He didn't like the fact, they didn't like the fact that people, or Jesus was forgiving people left, right, and center. And they said, we need to get him. These people are no longer listening to us because here's a guy that loves and forgives everybody, and we don't have that power anymore. So they put a scheme together. They said, you know what? We know what to do. We're going to trick him. We're going to get him. How are we going to get him, though? Oh, I know, I know. Um, Hey, the laws of the land says that if anybody commits adultery, if anybody sleeps with somebody who's not their spouse, the law of the land is to throw stones at this person until they die. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get, we're going we're to find this woman who I, I, who I slept with. Oh, wait, no, I didn't sleep with her. No, sorry. Who, who uh, I, I know have been sleeping with other people. 
and we're going to drag her out and tell Jesus to forgive her. And when he forgives her, then we can say he broke the law because he didn't follow the law, and then we can go get him. So let me go find this woman. I don't know exactly where she... No, I only heard where she may be. <laughs> let, me go, let me go get her. Now, you guys make sure Jesus is, oh, he's going to be at the courtyard. Okay, let's, let's go get, uh, make sure, he, okay, I'm going to go get this woman. Find this woman. For some reason, didn't bring the man along, just as much of an adulterer as the woman. Drags her to center court. Poor thing, probably half naked. And here's Jesus teaching people what it means to be loved by God. This Pharisee, this religious leader, then came up, dragged this woman out, and he says, hey, Mr. Uh, Miss, Mr. Uh, so-called Messiah, Mr. Rabbi, whoever you call yourself, you are king of the Jew, whatever. Uh, so you tell us to forgive people. Okay, well, this woman uh, has committed adultery. I saw her commit adultery. Uh, what the, the laws of the land says, hey, we got to stone her to death. What says you? Getting ready to arrest the guy. And Jesus, he bends down on the sand, starts scribbling. Some commentators, Bible commentators, said that uh, he's scribbling because he wanted to calm himself. He was angry. He was angry not at the woman. He was angry because he knew exactly what these men were up to. He was angry because these men should be there being just as much as this woman. So he got up, and then he said, all right, the law is law. This is Conrad, 2023 language. The law is the law, all right, go ahead. I'll tell you what, whichever one of you have not sinned, go ahead, be the first one to throw a stone at her. And then he uh, went back down and starts scribbling again. And after a while, one by one, all these Pharisees, all these men walked away because none of them could be the first one to throw a stone. And here's why I love Jesus so much, because he has such good humor. <laughs> he gets back up, and he looks at this woman, and he goes, uh, well, where'd all the men go? As if he didn't know. Uh, they all left. Did none of them condemn you? No. Well, then I, I don't condemn you either. Go and... Leave your life of sin. It's, in, it's important for us to identify who we are in this story in John chapter 8. Who, we, who, who do we more resemble? Because I, don't, I, I personally can't say I resemble Jesus. I'm, trying to be. I'm working on it daily. I don't think I'll ever resemble Jesus completely until I meet him in heaven. And even then, it's going to be a long shot. But who do we more resemble? The woman or the Pharisees or the religious teachers? I 
I heard a saying the other day, and I really think it's important for us. Don't judge others because they just happen to be sinning differently than you are. This call to holy living is not for us to condemn. It's not even for us to feel bad about ourselves. This call to holy living is God's way of bringing us into his family. You're a brother, you're a sister in Christ. And we support and love one another so that we help one another draw closer to Jesus and we help the world to know Jesus better. How will you respond? Let's pray. Father, as the worship team comes, uh, Lord, I, I ask that you review our hearts to us. Because as we are honest with ourselves, we are one or the other. And it's not a way to condemn us. It's not, a way to it's not a way to say, how dare you be this or how dare you be that. It's how do we be more like the example of your son who in the midst of persecution, who in the midst of being challenged, he would take the time and pause and scribble to find you and to speak the words and to show the compassion that you have for whoever it is. And Father, we pray as we walk from this place that we seek your kingdom first, for your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.